Hello and welcome to Into the Wave. My name is Josh Caliguar. I'm your host for this week. I wanted to invite my guest today. His name is Eric Bird. Welcome to the podcast, my friend. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. You having a good day? Oh, it's a great day, man. It's a really good day. Wow. So, Eric, would love to hear before we begin, where are you from? What are you up to these yeah. days? What brings you uh, to Mazatlan, Mexico? Yeah. Would love to hear just a little background. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm originally from Akron, Ohio. Nice. Um, and so I, uh, I, I did my TTS 10 years ago in uh, Townsville, Australia. Um, and so I was on staff there for a number of years. Um, and then I met a girl. And she was pretty great. Usually changes things. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so her name was Sandy. And so we came back to the States in 2018 and got married. Um, and then we we joined uh, with YWAM Ships Kona. Wow. Um, so since we've been there, we've been doing a couple of things. Um, I, uh, I helped to run our staff development program. It's called Diakonos. Um, Diakonos? Yeah, Diakonos. It's the, uh, the Greek word for servant. Or, wow. Uh, actually, Jesus uses it in Matthew 20. To describe a leader in the kingdom, wow! Uh, this servant or like a waiter. Um, so, so yeah, you wanna you wanna come, you know, to ships and actually, it's a two year associate's degree with the University of the Nations. Um, so we've we've kind of made this for all of our staff to be able to get a um, two year degree in Christian leadership um, while they're on staff. So, um, so I've been doing that, and recently, my wife and I have been pioneering the DTS that brought us here. Okay, which is called Ring of Fire. Um, which is, yeah, Ring of Fire. It sounds awesome. Although it most people, most people think about the Johnny Cash song. Um, and I'm not a big Johnny Cash guy. Yeah. So I didn't know there was going to be conflict there. Um, about, about half of our students maybe thought that they were doing like a Johnny Cash DTS. <laughs> and I was like, no, 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 this is uh, not that. <laughs> a very different. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's primarily focused on um, the Pacific Islands. Um, but also the nations of the Ring of Fire, like that that Ring of Fire, yeah, in the Pacific, you know. So if you go up the up and down the west coast of um, the Americas and yeah. um, up through the Pacific, you know, Japan, Korea, all through there. Um, and then the the outreach portion of our school is focused on um, the Pacific Islands, Melanesia, Micronesia, Polynesia, and so it sort of dovetails with our um, vision as a base in, in Kona, uh, which is to reach the isolated islands of the Pacific. So, so that's sort of what's brought us here to Mazatlan because we sort of do our lecture phase, you know, part of the lecture phase in Kona, part of the lecture phase in Mazatlan, and then outreach into the Pacific. So wow. it's a pretty great school, if I do say so myself. Um, and then outside of that, I do worship stuff back in Kona. Um, I, I try and be the best... Um, husband I can be and the best dog owner um, that I can dog. be. Although I find myself failing more at the dog owner part than the <laughs> husband part. Um, I'm not the best dog <laughs> owner. <laughs> That's so wild. Great, man. We're, we're so happy to have you here. Yeah, excited so, to be here. Thank you. Thank you for coming. Um, what we wanted to talk about um, is the theme of lordship, is the theme of what does it mean in our lives that Jesus is king? of of everything and what does that imply for our daily lives does that mean we we stay just kind of yes he is um and and what does my life need to look like because he is king good um so i just wanted to ask like what um how did this process begin for you what what does it mean that god is king what does it mean um, that Jesus is Lord, and, and what was that process of, of learning this and kind of coming underneath that? It was really interesting, right, because, you know, when we teach on, you know, schools within a YWAM setting, you know, you usually have one week, and, yeah. you know, we call this week of teaching the Lordship of Christ, but that isn't really a, that's not a lifestyle model, right? Mm-hmm. It's Lordship is a lifestyle, it's not a, it's not necessarily a teaching week. Sure. You know, you, you teach on it in a week, but it is a lifestyle. So for me, it's, it's been a journey, right? I, I think it started pretty much when I started my journey in YWAM, yeah. right? And I think the interesting thing for me is that you don't maybe realize that God is bringing you on a process of getting you to submit to his lordship when you begin, yeah. right? <laughs> like <laughs> you, you just like, hey, I'm, I love God and I'm going to start following him. And yeah. you, you really don't know what you're doing right because when i started i was a 17 year old kid 
And, uh, you know, I had a friend who was like, hey, do you want to come and join us on a missions trip? And, I mean, I didn't grow up going on missions trips. So yeah. I really had no idea what that was. And so they were like, hey, you want to come on this missions trip? I was like, I had just been saved maybe like seven months ago. And so I was like, hey, man, Christians go on missions trips. So I'm down. I'm going <laughs> on a missions trip. Yeah. And so I came, and I didn't even know. It was funny. I remember having to convince my parents that I wasn't going to Tijuana on like a vacation with my friends. Sure. Right. And I, I was like, hey, mom and dad, this is YWAM. And they're like, uh. And I had this DVD. <laughs> I had this DVD, and it had this guy who was like throwing starfish into the water. And he was like, this is the Homes for Hope ministry. And, you know, why are you asking me why I'm doing this with this starfish? Well, because it's, you know, it's making a difference for that one starfish. And it was this, you know, my parents are like, what? What is this? And I was like, I don't know, guys, but Christians do mission trips. Sure. This is the place that I was was going. (laughs) That was the place I was in. And so I I went and I found out later what YWAM actually was, you know, when I arrived. Yeah. Um, But that wasn't a part of my, like, I wasn't thinking I'm going to go join YWAM. I wasn't thinking I'm going to go become a missionary. It was just, I'm going on the journey that the Lord's taking me on. Sure. Um, and, And that kind of sort of somersaulted into going in and in, in starting as becoming a missionary of white women. I think it was on that process that I met my, one of my mentors, like a father to me now, his name is Mark Parker. Um, and, you know, this, the ministry of the Lordship of Christ, that's his ministry, right? Yeah. He's teaching on this all over the world. And he was teaching, you know, in the first school that I did in YWAM. Mm. And I was just like, whoa, 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 wait a second. Like, what he's describing sounds like real Christianity. Right? What what was he describing? Well, like he's what? just he's describing this individual who is completely surrendered to the person of Jesus. Okay. Right? He's describing this person who no longer is living for themselves, but is living for God. And in my head, I was like, that sounds like the believers that you see in the New Testament. Sure. But it didn't necessarily sound like a lot of people that I saw growing up. Yeah. Right. It didn't. I mean, I, I wasn't used to that conversation. I was used to a conversation about doing the right thing. I was used to a conversation about not doing bad things. Totally. Um, I was used to a conversation about going to the right places, go to church, do this thing. Like that was the conversation I was used to. Yeah. Um, I know that. You know, it has it has more to do with morals yeah, than it had to do with anything else. If you if you play your cards right, exactly. If you go to church, if you if you do all the right things, then then you're gold and exactly. continue in your life. Just fit this into it. Exactly. It was right? yeah. It was fit God into whatever life you're living. Yeah. And he was like, no. He was um, like, you are to fit into God's world, right? And you're to fit in by surrender. And I was like, man, this is this is not what I'm used to hearing. Yeah. And surprisingly, it sounded really attractive, mm-hmm. right? Like you wouldn't expect. It's interesting because it's it's kind of like someone like change your life, fit into exactly, this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You wouldn't expect. But you're like, it. Well, this is amazing. Yeah. Well, why why was it amazing for well, you? Well, why th- was it attractive? I think it's as humans, we all begin to discover that we're created for worship. You know cool. what I mean? And I think when we look at when we go back right to Genesis one, when you look at Genesis one twenty six through twenty eight you see what humans are really created for. They're created for this relationship with God um, and that they're meant to be those that reflect his image to the world. Mm. And, and I, love, I love what N.T. Wright says. N.T. Wright says that when you reflect the wrong divinity, right, when you are reflecting the wrong God, you reflect the wrong image to the world, mm. right? And you begin to walk in ungodliness. Sure. And you become out of joint as a human being, like, what do you mean by like reflecting the wrong God? Like, what's well, he? Okay, kinda, so what kind of God do you mean? So it's like, okay, if you're created to worship God, right? Sure. You're created to be in right relationship with God, mm-hmm. and then you stop worshiping God, right? You start worshiping yourself, mm-hmm. right? You start creating idols, right? And and I think in our world, it's super easy to find the idols once we stop thinking of them as like gold statues, right? It's really easy to identify idols. When we start thinking about our phones, when we start thinking about our relationships, you yeah. know, like these things that we allow to be raised up in our lives and become the things that we worship, yeah. right? The objects of our affection. And so it's like when we start giving ourselves and our, our hearts to those things, 
we start reflecting that affection to the world instead of what we were created to reflect. Sure. And, and, and I think that process, right, that discovery of, oh, okay, I'm, I'm to live this way. Right? I'm to truly worship God, not the rest of the stuff in the world. Yeah. Right? Not myself. I'm truly to worship him. And that's what I was created for. It's kind of, how do I go back there? Like, how do we, how do we get there? Because that's not what I grew up in. Wow. You know, you know what I'm saying? No, and I, I think something that you said, um, when, when you talk about worship, that I think in a biblical context, and at least when I was growing up, when I, would, when I would hear Bible stories, I would hear people talking about like, oh, well, the, you know, the Israelites worship this God, or they, they fell away to the, to the pagan gods and stuff like that. I'm like, wow. It's great. I don't have any problems with that. Right. I don't. <laughs> right. I don't. I don't find myself bowing down to statues. So, right. Exactly. So that's a check. Right. I'm, exactly. I'm already yeah. doing better than they are. Yeah. Exactly. Like I. I don't worship golden calves. No. No. I. I don't. I don't cut things and put them on altars. Right. I. I think, man. Like, see what you're saying is, we. We. We don't read ourselves into the story. Sure. Right? And it's so interesting. That's really good to hear. Yeah. When, when we look at the the Israelites, instead of seeing ourselves, when we see the they're in the wilderness, instead of seeing ourselves, we go, "Oh man, those poor guys. They never figure it out." You know, <laughs> they're helpless. Like we even think the same thing about the disciples. We're like, "Oh, these guys, they never totally. get it." Jesus is right in front of you. Man. Exactly. Come on. And and he's right in front of us, and we don't. We still don't get it. Yeah. You know what exactly. I mean? And so it's like we need to be. We need to be seeing them, and we need to be allowing their story to remind us of our own. And I think that's where, you know, my journey in YWAM, you know, the first time that I jumped into YWAM, that's where things took a turn. Cool. You know, because I wasn't planning on, I mean, just like everyone else in this mission that I've heard, I came here for six months and now it's been 10 years. Now it's been 20 years, you know, and that the reason that I'm still here is because the Spirit of God led me to my knees. Yeah, It led me to a place where my life wasn't about what I wanted to do anymore. Um, and I, I think when we talk about lordship, it's it's easy to say these things, but I think we got to bring this into a context that people can understand, um, and that we have compassion because it's a hard thing. Yeah, right? I, I think that's why Jesus says it's a really narrow road. Like not a lot of people go down this road. Yeah, because it is really hard. It's it's we're really used to these things that we carry with us. Yeah. W- what do you think is is something or maybe some of the things that are most difficult when people come upon this message of um, kind of of like, hey, you can you can worship yourself. You can worship really anything that as soon as as anything that you kind of say, like this is what I see myself surrounding my life around. Mm. Um Let's say it's your phone. Let's say right. it's a relationship. Let's sure. say it's finances and like I just need to have more money. Right. Um, when people come across this, like what what's something that you feel like has helped them to um, to kind of come to that place of you know kind of like you were saying your your that teacher yeah had a huge influence on your life. Sure. What do you think it is that like? is that point for right. people like what what needs to happen I, I think it's always it's the first thing is always this who is god mm-hmm. right is he the god of the story that i've been told by the world or is he like you know because there's a story about god that is being told right and it's that god is the thief that has come to destroy your life that has come to rob from you he's the, you know the murderer he's this genocidal maniac yeah like that's the story that's told about totally. god the lightning and thunder. Exactly. It's like God is this really bad guy. He's more like Zeus than anything else. Exactly. He's, he's this pagan God. Yeah. He is. He's this, he's this really bad guy. And it's kind of like, why would you ever want to worship him, totally. much less give your life to him? You know, like he does not sound at all interesting to be around. Totally. Are you, are, when you're saying I am saved, are you saved from from him or like exactly exactly that's exactly right oh i'm going to heaven and avoiding that you know exactly any any hardship between me and him which is why you know i even i i talked to you know some of the students we have you know i was having a conversation the other night and a student's like my version of heaven is really bleak yeah because it's just not going to the worst place but you're still kind of not in the best place yeah because you got to be with god and he's not great yeah 
And so I think it's I'm that. happier at Chick-fil-A. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like, I, I want to be here. Yeah. And that's one thing that I always teach on is there's no middle ground. Mm. Right? But if God is not, like, if he's that pagan, evil God who really has no love in his heart, and he's really rule-bound, and he's just telling you to do the right thing, right? If this is who God is, then you're going to have a really hard time laying down your life and, and worshiping him. Yeah. Right. It, it, it leads you to a religious life, mm -hmm. right? Because it's like, I don't like you. I definitely don't love you, but I will do what you say in order to avoid your wrath. Yeah. And I think this is something that we've got to wrestle with. And I think, you know, that person that you're describing is like, how do you actually end up giving your life? Well, first we've got to we got to God. We gotta, yeah, we've got to retell this story. Wow. Who, uh -huh. who is he? Sure. Right. And does Jesus become king, you know, on the cross? Does Jesus become king when he's resurrected or has he always been the king? Mm -hmm. And is it more about whether or not you accept his lordship? Right. Because this is the same God. I think what really puts it in context for me is understanding that the Jesus of the New Testament, oh, sweet Jesus, meek and mild, that that person is the Yahweh of the Old Testament. Yeah. Right. And so. If I have this disconnection between the New Testament Jesus and the Old Testament Yahweh, right? The Old Testament Yahweh is a big bad guy who <laughs> I don't want to be around. Totally. And somehow he saved has, a group of people. Yeah, took exactly. Care of him, but he, don't talk like, to him. He's not a nice guy, but some he has like this like son who's just like better than him, and yeah. he's like, yeah, dad's mean, but I'm nice, right? And then that's like, okay, I'll read the New Testament. And I'll worship this God. Sure. And it's understanding that Jesus is Yahweh. He's yeah. the Yahweh of the Old Testament. And that, that changes everything. Yeah. Because then I've got to square the character of Jesus with the character of Yahweh in the Old Testament. Right? I've, I've yeah. got to look at Jesus and go, okay, he doesn't change. So if Jesus is God and has always been, then I've got to go back to my Hebrew scriptures. And I have to allow them to retell that story for me. Totally. I need to understand this the way that it's meant to be understand, not just the way that I've always known it. Because if God is a mean God to me in the Old Testament, and he's a good God in the New Testament, there's a disconnect. Yeah. And so I need to go back and allow God to show me, okay, who are you in, in the Hebrew Scriptures? Sure. So could you, could you just for... I would love to hear maybe just one thing that you found in the Old Testament... Yeah. Where you're like, when I really got to see Jesus's heart yeah. in this, that took off a lot of weight. Man, whoa. <laughs> what a question. <laughs> man, that's hard. Um, man, that's a good question. Okay, here's why this question is challenging. Because as you begin to read the Hebrew scriptures the way that they were written, as you begin to understand the story, you are like, whoa, God is all over this place, and he's so good all he's the time. Amazing. He's just, <laughs> man, this is amazing. He's phenomenal. Yeah. And then you begin to understand why the New Testament authors say Jesus died in accordance with the scriptures, mm. right? Like what scriptures? Those scriptures. Interesting. Like what Jesus is doing is fulfilling that story. Okay. Um, so for me, if I had to choose, like my favorite passages are between Genesis 1 and Genesis 3. Okay. Um, I, I love that. Spent a lot area. of time there. Spent a lot of time there. Like, it's, it's a really fun area. So, for me, it is okay, does God show us his character there? Okay. Right? Does God show us who he is there? Sure. Right? And I think everyone's cool with Genesis 1, right? God's creating everything he creates is good. Just so, one old man in a garden. Yeah. He's just, he's just doing his thing, and he's good, man. And that's what everyone's good with. Right? Genesis 1, we're good. In Genesis 2, He's good again, right? Yeah. He's talking with man. He's good. But it's what happens when God has to interact with human brokenness. Yeah. Right? Because that's our issue, right? What does God do when he interacts with human brokenness? And when you look at Genesis 3, we have a tendency to look at that and say, when God has to interact with human brokenness, he gets mean. He pushes us away. He pushes us away. Uh -huh. He tells us we're not good enough. Mm -hmm. And he curses us. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's how that's how I grew up thinking about God. Totally. Right. 
He's sovereign. Which Your sin means, separates you from God. Exactly. He's, he's out of the exactly. picture now. My sin separates me from God. Yeah. God's pretty mad at me. Doesn't separate God from you. So it's like, okay. <laughs> so it's like, now here we are, and I need to go, okay, God, can you show me yourself in Genesis 3? Right? Because the story I'm told is the serpent twists the words, we follow, God goes, that's no good. He curses us, and then he boots us out because God can't be in the presence of sin. Yeah. Like that's a story that I know, right? And so then if you think about it, that perspective of God, right? The one who rejects you, the one who kicks you out, and the one who condemns you, that is the picture that you have as you go through the rest of the Hebrew It'll scriptures. define everything else. Yeah. Everything is defined by that. And Every story like, you see. Yeah, and then the New Testament, you're like, I think I'll just stay here. Yeah, and so wait. So then when that's you go cool. to the New Testament, you're like, this is weird. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, Jesus is like, I love you guys. I, you're my family. And you're like, where have you been, man? Like, didn't you kick me out? Uh-huh. Right? So I go, okay, when you look at Genesis 3, what does it actually say? Right? What actually happens here? Mm-hmm. And if we can come up with a word that defines God's character at the end of Genesis 3, what would it be? Mm-hmm. And is it the rejecter? Is it the condemner? Right? Is, is that who God is? I would say no. Right? I think when you look at Genesis 3, you see a really interesting story. You see a story about us choosing to reject God, yeah. right? You see a God who says, you are free, which I think is really key. Yeah. God says you are free to eat of every tree in the garden, except the tree in the midst of the garden, right? The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And why, right? Mm-hmm. Is, is God telling us, is, once again, is this a God of rules saying, here's what you can and can't do? Or is it a God who says, don't do that, because if you do, you're going to die. Yeah. That's interesting. That to me. will hurt you. Exactly. That will, and no one ever thinks, oh, you're a bad father, right? If you don't let your kids play in the road. Yeah. We would never think, oh, what a, what a horrible dad you are, you know? So religious. You're so, yeah. You're, you're so, so cool. mean to me. Yeah. I wanna, I wanna go play in the road. I wanna get hit by a car, yeah. and you say, Do you just love rules. You'll die out there. <laughs> exactly. So, so the first thing is understanding oh, so that true. God actually says you're free, mm. right? He, he doesn't create you with stay inside the rules. He says you're free. Here's, what to, here's how to live your freedom out without dying. Which is wise. Exactly. Wise, right? So wisdom is living God's way, uh-huh. right? Allow God to be the one who says, this is a good way to live, this is a bad way to live, and trust him, right? That's what humans are created to do. I, I trust you. Sure. Okay? Now we take wisdom into our own hands, right? We say, okay, God, well, I swear I'm rejecting your wisdom. I'm rejecting your rulership over my life. And I'm taking wisdom in my own hands. Yeah. Right? I will determine what's good for me and what's bad for me. Right. And so what happens then? Like what happens after that part of the story? Right. God says, hey, Josh, where you at, bro? <laughs> and you're like, oh, I was afraid. Yeah. Right. Immediately fear becomes the thing that you have towards him. So what's really interesting is that, you know, when, when God shows up there with you, right, because Adam is just meant to represent you and me. Okay. Right. So when he when he shows up there, he doesn't freak out. He doesn't immediately jump to rejection and, and tossing you out. He's not having a tantrum. Yeah. He starts asking you questions. It's wild. I think this is super interesting. No, that's like parenting parenting lessons. Yeah, too. like right. He's like, hey, so like <laughs> So know, what's up? What happened? What happened? Yeah. And and he gives Adam a see this is what's interesting to me. He gives Adam a chance, right, to explain. Right? But I think more than anything, there's an opportunity in there. I, I'm, 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 I'm pulling out more than's actually there now, right? But there's a possibility here for forgiveness. Yeah. There's a possibility here for repentance. It's, a, it's an option that Adam doesn't take, right? You That's get, wild. But, they, but now I'm not, you're right, I'm, I'm putting that into the story. That's not there. But yeah. I'm just saying there's space because God doesn't immediately jump to get out, mm-hmm. right? So what actually happens? Adam is the one who says, bro, um, first of all, this is your fault. <laughs> and you gave me a, a faulty you put woman. This, you put this lady in Yeah, exactly. And if it weren't for her and, you know, you, I would be fine. Counting animals, doing my thing. Sure. So you... He's, he's, already, he's already like, it sounds like if you're hiding, yeah. you're like, there's already like a misjudging of character. Absolutely. And then for him to say like, well, this... This was something that happened because of her, because of you. Exactly. Say, it's basically like there's, there's a trust. That's just kind of like, I can't trust you. Perfectly. I don't, 
There's, there's, there's absolutely a trust issue. Wow. But isn't that what the enemy's lie was, uh-huh. right? He said, did God actually say? Or did he actually say? And God clearly said what he said. Yeah. So what is the question the enemy's actually asking? It's the doubt of character. Can you is trust God this guy? really good? Yeah, is he really wow. who he says he is? Can you wow. trust him? Adam and Eve's response is clearly no. So we shouldn't be surprised when they've got a trust problem when God shows back back up because you know they're like well we've already decided for ourselves what wisdom is what the right way to live is and it is a way that doesn't trust you right like that's this really important element of the story is we've got to realize that this fruit that they are taking is wisdom to live your life the way that you want to live it yeah right not the way that god would have you live it and so they're saying that we don't trust you anymore and so adam's response is are all out of this place of an insecurity and a lack of trust in God, right? But God still hasn't kicked him out. And what I find very interesting is if you actually read, it doesn't say that God curses man and woman. It says that God curses the serpent. And then it says that the ground is cursed because of what you've done. That's what he says to Adam. The ground, like like the land? Like the land, the uh ground, like creation. Okay. There's this curse because of what you've done. Yeah. Which is, which is really interesting because in this passage, do we come away with thinking that God is the one who curses us? Mm-hmm. Because I grew up thinking that I'm under a curse. And it's him. And it's him that cursed <laughs> me, right? Yeah. And he cursed me because of what some people way back then did. Yeah. And I don't have any choice but to be under this mean God's curse. Yeah. Right now, I don't even understand it. I just know that I'm cursed, right? And it's God that curses me. And then I'm apparently supposed to be in this weird sort of Stockholm syndrome where he's my captor but then he's also the one who's going to set me free Mm. right he's he's my greatest enemy sure but he's also the one that is my greatest friend Uh right and it's this weird like thing that doesn't work and i would say that's not what genesis 3 says yeah right i would say that genesis 3 in that section isn't about god doling out curses it's and this is my favorite word to use for god's character in genesis 3 it's the mercy of God, right? God has no moral obligation to tell you what's going to happen next. Sure. But he does. Mm-hmm. He says, hey, this is what life's going to look like for you now. If you play in the street. Right. <laughs> He's like, this is what's going to happen. You, you chose to do what I said don't do. Yeah. Here's what life looks like now. Mm-hmm. I think that's mercy, right? Like, he's got no reason he has to do that. That's mercy. That's kindness, right? He continues, and, and this is what I find interesting about when they leave the garden. He gives them their consequences. He says, hey, family life is going to be harder, right? This is what I command you to do. Be fruitful and multiply. That's going to be harder. Yeah. I commanded you to work the ground, to steward it, to keep it. That's going to be more difficult. That's going to be more difficult, sure. right? So the, those consequences in Genesis 3 directly correlate to the commands in Genesis 1, right? They're not random, Totally. Right. It's, it's not extra. It's just exactly. Here's how this changes. Exactly. Wow. You you're meant to live this life. That's going to be harder now. Doesn't mean you can't do it. It's just harder, right? Increased. And then over here, you've got this idea of well, we're still sinful, right? So God had to kick us out of His presence. Mm. And I just think, what story are we reading where that's what happens? Yeah. Because God's really clear. He says, "Hey, we've got to remove them from the garden where the tree of life is." Because if they eat of that too, they'll last forever in that <laughs> in this unredeemed state. Sure. Well, does that sound like a mean God, or does that sound like a merciful one? Yeah. Right. Because if, when I read the story, when I go to Genesis four and I see Cain and Abel, who was Cain talking to? The same God who was in Genesis totally. three. Still there, still talking. He's he's still there. Uh huh. He's still present, and Cain just murdered his brother, and God's talking to him. Once again, asking a question. Wow. That breaks so many ideas. Well, I mean, I think it, it, it's like, okay, is he the God of, of condemnation? Mm-hmm. Or is he the God of mercy? Yeah. Right? Does he, does he, and I would say that every time God engages with human brokenness, he does so with mercy. I would say Come that when you, when you, if you look at the model in Genesis 3, and then if you just take that story all throughout the Old Testament, Right? Every story from the judges, from Joshua entering into the promised land, when you look at the story of the kings and the prophets, you see a story of God interacting with human beings mercifully. Wow. Right? They deserve death, 
He says, I'm going to redeem you. That's mercy. Every action of God when he's interacting with human brokenness is a merciful one. Yeah. And it culminates with the ultimate act of mercy where he says, I'm going to be the one who solves your problem. Wow. Which is the beauty that you see kind of laid out a shadow of in Genesis 15, right? You see this, this covenant that God makes with Abram. Yeah. And he puts him to sleep, right? And he walks through the covenant himself. He walks through the two sides of the animal carcass himself, right? And he's saying, I will fulfill it. Wow. I'll fulfill your end of the bargain and I'll fulfill my end of the bargain. And that comes to fruition when you look at what Jesus does on the cross. Like yeah. it's this, inc- it's and that's why I get so excited. It's this beautiful story of the mercy of God. Yeah. The God who never had any obligation to do anything about your and my sin, Yeah, but says, I will take it. Come on. You know, yeah. and, and that for me, it's like, so if you want to know who Jesus is, right? If you want to know why you should give him your life, it's because he's the God of mercy in the garden and he's the God of mercy on the cross. Yeah. Which means our thought about him that says he's not the good God that I can give my life to crumbles. Yeah. Right? Now he is the good king. And now I'm given a choice, just like the choice I was given in the garden. Wow. Will you live it's your the same life? Choice. Exactly. Will you live your life by your own wisdom? Uh-huh. Or you submit to my lordship and live by mine. Sure. He's always been the king. He was the king in the garden. He was the king of creation, the king of the temple, right? He's the king in the New Testament. He's the king who goes, he's, right, 1 Corinthians 15, I delivered to you as a first importance what I also received, Hmm. that Christ died in accordance with the scriptures, was buried, and then was raised again on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. It's all one big story. In accordance with that big story. Yeah. And so it's like, okay, the Jesus that is my Lord is the Yahweh that is my Lord in the Old Testament. Yeah. Right? He is good, and he's always merciful. Yeah. And so that roadblock that people have of the character of God, it's a false one. Mm -hmm. And I think that when we begin to read the text the way that it was made for us to, uh, to read it, it shows us that he's very much worthy of our lives. Actually, that the only way to live our lives the way they were created to live, to be lived, is in his presence, submitted to his lordship. Yeah, something, something that I think is wild in seeing Jesus's life is whenever I, I used to hear the stories, it was kind of like the what would Jesus do? Kind of like you, right. you've right. got to right. you've got to figure this out by yourself. Right. Here's the example, and any any other way of living, it's just not going to work. Right. Um, and so, but I, I always grew up just feeling not good enough. Right, right. Like, you've got to do this on your own. Like, you've got to climb this mountain by yourself. Right. And at the top, then you'll, then you'll have the whole package with right. God. And I, I did not know um, the God who actually wanted to do it with me. Right. Through me. Right. And in many ways already did that for me. Right. Like, I would get frustrated at the Israelites, like, come on, guys, get it together. Yeah, figure this out, guys. Yeah, and I would see Jesus in the New Testament, and what I think really blew my mind was, like, Jesus Jesus came to enter into the Israelite story, both as the God who is showing them the way. Exactly. And as man that could actually complete it. Exactly. And, but yet still, still was, was murdered by the Israelites, yeah. by by his people, by his people, by his own people, yeah. And I just, it is such an unbelievable thing that God would do. Yeah. Like that is that is mercy of yeah. saying like, hey, does this feel impossible to do the life that Jesus did? Yeah. Everyone's everyone's trying to do it, right? But does it feel impossible? Great. Right. Like I, I have done that for you. The right. life of Jesus is for you. Right. Everything he did is on your behalf. Right. And one of the most mind-blowing things that I think has has changed my life has just been understanding that then the relationship that Jesus has with the Father mm. because of what he did on the cross because of this being made like him reconciling all of this that Beautiful. is our relationship Beautiful. with the Father. Absolutely. And Beautiful. that that is wild. Bro, that's, that's it. Like, see, that's what you just said. I couldn't say it better myself. 
that is the gospel. Like, see, that's the gospel to me, right? Like, this is the truth of God. Yeah. He, 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 he goes there for us. Yeah. Right? He takes it on our behalf. It's and it's, it's not because God's super mad, right? He's, he's, it's his mercy. Yeah. And I, I think that, you know, when we, you know, we, we, we founded this mission, you know, in the idea of the Lordship of Christ, the idea of the direction of the Spirit of God. Yeah. And, and that's what I love about this mission, right, is that at every turn, the desire is, are we submitted to the direction of the Spirit and the Lordship of Christ? Because I, I'm a firm believer that we can't see the kingdom, God, the kingdom of God come unless we're submitted to his Lordship. Yeah. But you, you, you can't just bring the kingdom on your own. You'll right? be bringing a different kingdom. You're, bring, you're bringing your kingdom, <laughs> right? And it may, it may look somewhat like the kingdom of God. You yeah. know, like it may be religious. It may have churches involved. It may have offerings involved. But at the end of the day, that isn't the kingdom of God. It's only the kingdom of God if Jesus is on the throne. Yeah. And that's this thing that I think is, is huge. Like with what you're saying, it's like we don't have to strive anymore, right? My, my, my perspective as a Christian doesn't have to be focused on sin. Yeah. And my whole life, right, my, it was about sin. Totally. Don't sin. Try so hard not to sin today. Yeah. And we're going to try even harder not to sin tomorrow, right? And it's just sin, sin, sin. And I, I, a real understanding of what Jesus has invited us into goes, it's not about sin anymore. Yeah. Right? It's not about my righteousness. Like, I'm not the one who's establishing right relationship with God and right relationship with people anymore, right? Jesus has established right relationship with God and right relationship with man. It's done. And I enter into Christ. Yeah. Right? Like, I am in Christ. Right? I commune with God, communing with the Father in Christ by the grace of the Spirit. Yeah. Right? Like, this is my relationship with God. Right? I commune with the Father. I have real relationship with the Father again. Wow. In Christ. Can you, can you explain a bit? So, to be honest, growing up, the words in Christ meant absolutely <laughs> oh nothing to me. It's like, I don't know, the only time I ever heard in Christ was like, oh, like, we have to respect our sisters in Christ. Or oh, like, okay, yeah. You know, like, this is my brother. In it's, Christ, right. It's like a last name. Right, all right. It, well, that's a good way to put it, yeah. And it's like, I thought it just means Christian. Right, sure. Um. Lately, I have been looking into a lot of Paul's letters. Mm. He is obsessed with talking about in Christ, we are this, yeah. in Christ, we are this. Right. And I just like, you were talking about communion. Yeah. Like, do you mean like communion, like eating food or like yeah. what, what are you talking about? And like, what, is this something that I achieve? Right. Like, what, what's the deal within Christ? So I'm, 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 I'm definitely not the authority on this issue. <laughs> Um, I'm actually the authority on no issues. Uh, I'm just a guy. But <laughs> um, so I have, like, I got friends even back in, in Kona uh, that I'm sure they're like, oh, yeah, Eric, tell us what in Christ is. <laughs> um, but here's, like, okay, my, my, my basic submission into sure. this, you know, into this world would be that it seems as if Paul and the rest of the New Testament authors perceive Christian, the state of being a Christian, right? Their favorite phrase to use is what it means to be a believer is in Christ. Yeah. Specifically, Paul. It's all over. He's like, it, being a, the salvation is defined by in Christness, right? Like that, it seems so clear, right? So that I should be understanding my, my new state of being by being in Christ. Like, do you mean like associating yourself with Christ? No, and I think that's the, the best part about it, that it is actually being in Christ. So it's, 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 I'm going to do a bad job of explaining this, but that's okay because we're just two guys drinking tea. Um, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, there's a relationship that the Father and the Son have had eternally, right? So when I say communion, there's this eternal communion that has been taking place between Father and Son. Yeah. Right. Communion, just kind of like a, a sharing. This, this, this mutual affection. Okay. Right. This, um, I give myself to you. You give my, you give yourself to me. There's this beautiful mutuality that's happening between Father, Son, and Spirit. Right. Wow. Uh -huh. And so there's this relationship between Father and Son that's taking place, 
right, that has always been taking place. Yeah. And we see Jesus is the Son of God, right? So he says, when you see the Father, you see me, right? Wow. I only do what I hear the Father saying to do, right? So he's in this place of perfect communion, perfect relationship yeah. with the Father, right? What Jesus then does, he dies on the cross, he raises again, and he's basically saying, you can have the relationship that I have with the Father by the grace of the Spirit in Christ, in me, sure. right? The Spirit of God brings us to this place where we are found in Christ. So when we think of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, this, uh, this God of perfect mutuality, right? We, where are, how do we find relationship with this God? Yeah, like where are we is outside it? of it, exactly. below it? And, and what Scripture seems to be telling us is it is in the person of Christ. That's right? wild. It is in the person of Jesus, right? Jesus invites us into relationship with him. And by relationship with him, through the, through the grace the of the rest. Spirit, the we have communion with the triune God. Yeah. Right? This totally, I have no idea how to understand this other than... It's a little supernatural. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> by, by, by submitting myself to the Lordship of Jesus, right? By yielding myself to the Spirit of God, I can essentially return to the relationship that I was meant to have in Eden, that humans were meant to have in Eden. Sure. Where we walk with God in the cool of the day. That there is this returning that can happen, right? Where the, the life that Jesus lives in relationship to the Father is a life that I can live, not by my righteousness, but by His, right? That my righteousness is found in Christ. Wow. Right? And that, so being found in Him, having relationship with Jesus allows me to then have communion with the Father, right? And that whole thing is happening because of the grace of the Spirit of God, right? It, it has nothing, it's not me, right? Like, it's not, I'm not doing this thing. Yeah. You know, I'm yielding. That's good to remember. You know, like, it's, it's, it's not, it's not about my performance, no. how, how good I am at this thing. No, man, it's like, well, your, your righteousness is a filthy rag. Yeah. You know, it's like, no, no, no. True. You no longer have to try and get everything right. Uh-huh. Right, the the laws, getting all those things right every day. Yeah, is that it's not what you have to do. You just have to follow me. Yeah, that's why. Like for me, when I teach on this topic, I think the thing that always brings it home for me is the the story of the rich young man. You know where you know Jesus is teaching, and this this rich young man comes and he says, "Okay, what must I do to be saved?" And and Jesus responds and goes, "Well, you know the laws." You know, you know, you know, he, he talks about these back, the, the, the six God to man laws and the commandments. Sure. And, and the man says something I find to be really interesting. He goes, I've kept these from my youth. Yeah. Like imagine looking at, you know, Jesus in the face and saying, yeah, I, I did it. I've done all those <laughs> things. I kept the law. Mm -hmm. Like, whoa. But Jesus doesn't say you're a liar. You know, like he doesn't go, oh, you're a liar. No, you haven't. I remember when you lied. <laughs> you know, he just goes, he goes, okay, cool. And there's this beautiful thing that's happening here where Jesus, the son of God, is essentially inviting this man to be a disciple. He says, go home, sell all your possessions, and follow me. This is, whoa, here comes this invitation to this rich man. And I feel like I'm paraphrasing. Obviously, I'm paraphrasing this whole thing. But what always makes me super sad is it says that he walked away sad because he had a great many possessions. Wow. And I'm always just like, whoa. Like, God is inviting you mm -hmm. to walk with him, right? He's inviting you into this deep communion. And he's saying, all you have to do is go get rid of everything else. Mm -hmm. Lay it all down and follow me. And he walks away sad because he's got a lot of the good stuff. And I, I find myself praying all the time, Lord, I don't want to walk away sad. Mm -hmm. Because I'm so attached to my stuff. My good, it could be good stuff. It's not always evil sin. I'm so attached to this stuff that I, I, I can't follow you. Yeah. Right? I can't live the life that you've asked me to live. And I, I, my prayer always for you know, the staff, my prayer for the students that we have is don't be the one who walks away sad. Mm. Be the one who gives everything that they have, right, who offers everything to Jesus and says, I trust you, 
I trust you that you're the good God. You're the good God of Scripture. And then when I give you my life, you will give back to me a better one. Right? Like, I can follow you and find relationship with a God that I was created to be with. Yeah. And I think that it's in that place that we find our, but that we find true lordship. Yeah. It's saying, what I have here, it doesn't come close to what you have for me. Yeah. Right? Like, I'm experiencing this humanity that is broken and... It's not going it's, well. It's not going well, man. Mm-hmm. I don't think any of us look back and go, it was, it was better back there. Yeah. It was, it was better in Egypt. Yeah. You know, I think we're that slaves. when we're in the promised land, we go, man, this is, this is what we were created for, yeah. right? Relationship with God. And so, like, that's always my prayer. My prayer is that when we, when we really talk about lordship, that it comes down to, can you give him your whole life? Yeah. And if you can give him your whole life, then you can get a better one back. <laughs> I, and it's like, it's that simple, but I don't know, I don't know how often we're actually willing to do that. Yeah. And so at the end of the day, that's the, that's the hope. Yeah. The hope is that like the disciples, we can lay down everything. Yeah. We can die for Jesus in the small ways and in the big ways. Um, and that we don't end up being that man who walks away sad, yeah. right? that we see God as he truly is. Um, and that, like I said, man, by, by the spirit of God that we can find ourselves in Christ and that we can commune with the father. Yeah. And when, when we've got that thing going on, man, I, Man, that's 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 what it's all about. Yeah, I remember hearing you. Um, you can't receive when you have a closed, full hand. Right. And um, I I remember very clearly exactly where I was when I. Uh, I think it was about six or seven years ago. I was on my porch. And I think I was in conversation with someone, and they said so. Um, this thing that you're considering doing, uh, I was telling them about a, a missionary training school, the DTS, um, and I wasn't even really a Christian at this point. I had left the church. I was done. I was, um, I, I wanted to do things my own way, and I was tired of, of living just off of a moral system that I always felt like I wasn't completing. Um, so I left. And lived a couple of years just very lost. Mm. And I remember when they asked me, I remember what I told them was, you know, I've, I've lived life now on my own terms, and it is not. It's not what I want. You know, I just had this moment of saying, like, I, I can already see the rest of my life in this pattern that I've lived, and it will not be good. Yeah. And I am going because I know that if I am the main person leading my life, it's, it's not, it's not going to be good. Yeah. And even at the point where I was not a Christian, right. where I didn't even know if God was there, there was something in me that just said, what if if you gave everything to God? Yeah. Maybe that's the best thing you could ever do. Yeah. And that, that's it, man. It's like you, 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 you have one thing that you can offer, right? And it's your whole life. Yeah. And it's just trusting that by giving him everything, he gives me everything in return. Mm-hmm. And that what's on the other side of my surrender is far, far, far better than what I'm leaving behind. And... That's the place we got to trust in, that in surrendering to God, I find a real life. Yeah. I find real humanity, and I find a real love. Um, and I think that's what we have to really be praying and asking God, show us. Show us that it's better with you, right, that we find who we truly are in you, um, submitted to your lordship, living a life of surrender than we could ever find in the world. Wild. Yeah. Amen, bro. This is this is good, man. It's amen, this is bro. Yeah. My my soul, I feel light. I yeah. feel very light. Yeah. Um, I think it would be really special just um, with everyone listening. Um, I think it'd be really special um, just to ask you if you would you would just pray for us. Oh yeah. Pray for me. Pray for you. Pray for 
um, our, our generation that's asking these questions, you know, who is it like, is this the God that I would, I was told or is there more? And there's, I know in in my generation, there's a lot of decisions to make. Do I live life on my own terms? Um, what, what is, you know, who is this God and, and am I on board or am I, or am I out? Yeah, Um, absolutely. I feel like, yeah, I would love for you to just to pray for us to yeah. really just say like, okay, Jesus, like we we've seen your character, yeah. we've seen that you are the one from the beginning, that we we're not gonna try to fit you anymore into our lives. Yeah. Like you're just the the little addition. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I don't know. Are you cool to do that? Absolutely, bro. Let's pray. Let's do it. Yeah, Father, we we yeah, Father, we say thank you. Thank you for who you are, and, and, and thank you for the, the gift of your son. And would you, by the grace of your spirit, teach us, teach us who you really are. Lord, we, we don't want to have a false understanding of you. We don't want to have this broken perspective on your character, but we want to see you rightly. Yeah. And so we, we ask, would you show us, show us what it means to follow you, Show us what it means to live the surrendered life. Because at the end of the day, we want to be with you. We, we want to walk in the way that you've called us to walk. We want to be the people that you've called us to be. So show us how to follow you. We, we need you to show us. We need the grace of the Spirit to show us what it means to follow you, how to love you, how to pray. These are all things that we're, we're so desperate for you for. And so we just say that, we ask you to help us to be people who are totally devoted to you, that our, our whole hearts remain devoted to you day in and day out, and that evening and morning we can pray and say, you are Lord of my life. Mm-hmm. Right? Everything I have belongs to you, and that we can enter into this beautiful place where for the rest of our days we offer you the nothing that we have remaining and say it's all yours, God. Yeah. I trust you. We love you. We love you. We love you. Amen. Amen. Well, Eric, it has been an absolute joy to spend time with you and to listen. fun, man. So thank you for sharing. Thank you for your stories. Yeah, absolutely. I I love and I I honor what God has done in your heart as well. Thank you, bro. I just want to recognize, man, God is doing amazing things in your life. Yeah. And the message that you carry really has has spoken to me and many others. Beautiful. Viva la Mexico, bro. Amen, brother. Everyone needs to come here and eat these tacos. Amen. They are 100%. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Watch it on the salsa, though. They do not joke around with the salsa. Yeah, I don't eat salsa. I'm from Ohio. (laughs) (laughs) I'll pray for you.